He took 699 international wickets and is regarded as one of the best, if not the best, fast bowlers that's ever lived. Earlier this year, match to the shock of the cricketing world, he announced his retirement from the sport. However, he since made a remarkable transition into commentary. This is Inside the Game, and I'm joined by Dale Stain. So undoubtedly one of the success stories of uh, the T20 World Cup, apart from the teams, has been the new faces or new voices in commentary. And uh, there's no question that the most popular by a country mile has been Dale Stan. How are you, Dale? I'm fine, thank you. Are you serious? I don't know about the most popular, but yeah, thank you very much. That's really cool. Yeah, absolutely no question. Uh, Chatting to people, they say you've... You brought such a refreshing outlook into the commentary box. And, of course, it helps the fact that you just were playing the other day. And I remember just before you went uh, into the tournament, you, you were pretty vocal about it on social media, about how, how nervous you were. And it looks like you've settled in pretty well. Well, I promise you the nerves are still very much there. Like how they took somebody who's got no job qualifications at all at this and then just given it to me to come and do this is um, it amazes me you know but anyway i'm yeah they haven't fired me so i'm probably doing something right uh, i assume but it's been it's been fun i won't lie the live pitch reports are the most difficult thing i've ever had to do in my life they're just like i just see this guy and he's like 10 seconds and then next thing he puts out his hand five four three two and i'm like standing there with a mouthful of teeth i don't know what to say and then the magic has to happen. So yeah, it's very, very interesting. But yeah, I'm still yeah. So it's been it's been fun. Yeah, I, I think people forget what it's like being thrown into the deep end doing live television. And uh, of course, uh, I'm I'm fairly used to it as well. And, and people that are in broadcasting have have had to get used to it. But as you say, uh, once you hear that countdown timer and it begins. Um, you realize that the world's watching and it's not a case of you, you, you running in to try and bowl a York at 145Ks. You just got to say a few words, yet it's almost as daunting, if not more so. Definitely. You know, the thing is when I had a ball in my hand and I was running into bowl, the only words that I had that were in my head were my own. It was like bowl a Yorker or bowl a bouncer. You know, I never had this other microphone that was like, or this, this earpiece that's plugged into my ear with somebody screaming and shouting, like the cameraman, this, that, look there, do this, do that. It really messes with your like whole thought process. And um, it's taken some getting used to, I, I'm not going to lie, but I won't lie. I've actually really enjoyed it. Like it's been a lot of fun. Um, and my, I take my hat off to the people that, have, that do this job because the guys that I've been working with here are like incredibly professional and like, it's nice to get an inside look at things, you know, the way that Mark Nicholas and, you know, Simon Duell and wh- whoever it is, all of the guys that are here go about their business. They're very professional. They prepare well so that they give the audience like the right stats um, and they bring good energy. Like you, when you're watching it, when you're a player and you're just watching it, you don't think anything of it. You just think, oh, it's that easy. But now that I'm there, I actually see that there's a lot of work that goes into this. Alan Wilkins, they, these guys are just amazing, seriously. And they've been really good and, and helped me a lot. So I'm very appreciative. 
Yeah, I actually sent out a tweet the other day when I was watching one of the games and listening. It was yourself and Alan in the commentary box together. And I thought you guys made a, a terrific partnership. You had uh, the new guy, fresh, straight off the field, and uh, the somewhat older hand, should I say. And, and Alan actually quite enjoyed my comments quite a bit. I, I said you guys were the perfect match. But that being said, in the people that you have been matched up with uh, have been great uh, all the way. And I think the common denominator is you, and that's not taking anything away from, from the other commentators, but I can't emphasize enough how popular you've been in that commentary box. And, and, and what's it been like, take away from calling matters on the field, but just recalling things from your days, because as I keep on emphasizing, you were just playing. So you understand exactly what's going through these people's minds. You understand exactly... Uh, what they kind of need to do, given the fact that you were playing with and against them just a, a few months ago? Yeah, I, I find it difficult to sometimes call something. Like, I, I'm really good. Like, I'll sit at home and I'll be watching a game and I'll be sitting with, like, my, my girlfriend or friends and everything. And I'm like, he's going to hit this ball for six over fine leg. And the bowler runs in and he bowls a ball and they hear the commentary and the commentators are like, that's a massive six gone over the fine leg. And they kind of turn to me and they're like, how did you know that? And I'm like, well, you know, and you play long enough, you can do that. But then when you're in commentary, you can't exactly do that. Like, you know, it's, it's difficult because you're kind of talking about it. And I've had one or two moments where I've almost, almost done it where I, I'm like, ah, I'm going to check my phone because people are going to think I'm a genius, but I haven't been able to call it off just yet, but it's, it's been really good. Um, getting sometimes getting your point across before the delivery is bold is also tough. Uh, you've got such a short window to for it to happen in, um, and you're not allowed to talk when the bowler bowls because it's, you know for for TV they want to have it like clean and no talking in that period from when the delivery is let go to when the batters hit it. And um, sometimes you're trying to get a point across, and then the batsman will hit a six, and you'll go to like a sponsor or that's a massive six, blah, blah, blah. And the point that I was, I was talking about just kind of gets lost. It's gone. We, we don't ever come back to that point. Like we move on, you know, like three sixes happen and the three sixes or the wicket or whatever that's happened is way more important than the shitty story that I was telling about something that happened back in my day. So I kind of sit there sometimes like, mm, you know, like I lost out on that opportunity, but it's, it's all good. <laughs> I don't mind. You speak about being back in your day. Were there ever commentators that you that kind of pissed you off when you were playing? Of course, you didn't. You wouldn't have listened to them live. But uh, having reflected back on highlights, and 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 have you got? I know you said that you've got a newfound appreciation for commentary, but uh, have you now kind of understood where they were coming from? If if ever there was someone that that was fairly critical of you then, and now you think, well, geez. Can I be critical now, especially the fact that a lot of them are still your friends and, and former teammates? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I started to understand that a while back where, you know, I think a lot of players were now becoming commentators, like Paul Harris had retired and he had to become a commentator and other people who I'd played with were retiring and, and going into that line of work. Um, and I knew, like, they, they had to be, they had to call it as it is. And I think that's the, that's the key thing is that I'm going to call it as it is too. You know, I, I, it's not like I have disrespect for, for somebody like KG, if he bowls a bad ball and he gets hit for six, he's just bowled a bad ball and he's been hit for six. He'll tell you that, you know, <laughs> I don't need to tell you that. And the next ball, he gets a wicket, you know, and it's like, it's a great ball or it's not a great ball. And he gets a wicket. I'm just, I'm just going to say it as it is, you know, whatever it is. Uh, luckily because I'm I've just come out of it and I'm quite fresh. Um, 
they might forgive me if I have a, if I say something or something like that. But it's, I mean, I, I know that like through my playing career, there wasn't really anybody that ever said anything that like tweaked me. Um, unless somebody had like a driven kind of purpose to push for somebody in the team or push you out of the team. then I felt like that's a little bit unfair. I, th- I see sometimes I, I do a bit of reading sometimes and, and maybe people are saying something about like Mark Boucher and so on and stuff like that. Like there's really a push for that. It's unnecessary. You know, don't believe everything you read. Rather, believe what you see. One of the other things that's always impressed me about you, and this was even once you started your playing career, I was at the, the very first test that you played uh, back in Port Elizabeth, and uh, you still bowled Michael Vaughan, that, that incredible delivery. And ever since then, I was actually on the side of the field, and I remember you doing your first interview, and I was taken aback at, at how eloquent you were, um, even the fact that, that you were so young. And there's no question that that has... You've obviously grown in that role throughout the years. And you've also been, I, I don't want to say outspoken because you don't speak for controversy's sake, but you pretty much say it like it is. And uh, I don't know if, if you'll remember, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget it, uh, that the time we were doing the CSA Awards uh, a couple of years back and I was on stage and you won the T20 Bowler of the Year and you came up on stage <laughs> yeah. And you had just been in that movie with Adam Sandler, Blended. Yeah. And, and I asked you about it, and I said, what was it like? And you said, uh, it was pretty cool. You just stood there and scratched your nuts, which is yeah. the, the, the role. <laughs> I also remember. Yeah? I think I also remember getting, I got that award, that T20 award, and I, and I said to you, I think I said that, the only reason I got that T20 award is because I was nominated for all the other awards and I never won them. So they felt bad. So they gave me that T20 award, which I probably didn't deserve. But like I needed to go home with something. You can't be nominated for everything. This is a Leonardo, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio situation where at some point you go, yes, your Oscar. You have to. We have to give it to him, you know? <laughs> like, uh, I remember going home with that award. It's this massive thing. It was so heavy. Funny story that I drove to Palabora and I gave it to my grand. And on the way home, it was in the boot, and my mate, Brett Solman, he was driving. We'd stopped somewhere to have, like, some food, like at Wimpy, and he opened the boot, and this thing fell and landed on his toe. And he was like, you see, you should never have won this award, and now it's injured me. <laughs> it was just, it was funny. Good times. Yeah, no, they were great times. And, and, and I, I go back to the eloquence thing, because... Like I say, you, you just you pretty much said it as it is. And I remember we were in in India in it was a two test tour in twenty ten. Uh, the first one was in Nagpur, and and every evening I'd have a player come to to my room and we'd do a sit down interview for about ten to fifteen minutes. It was pretty cool. And and immediately afterwards, they would say, "Okay, cool, cheers," and, and out they'd go. And I remember you sticking around and saying, "Cool, where should we go to? What places? What countries are there to see?" And you've always been like that. And Anyone that's had a hint of having a look at your Instagram or, or, or Twitter feeds will, will realize that you're an outgoing guy, um, particularly when it comes to fishing and surfing, skateboarding, etc. And this bubble life certainly must have hit you very, very hard, and I reckon must have had a major impact on, on you making the decision to to stop playing. Definitely, I, I think you know bio bubbles and. Bubble life is really difficult. I, I went to three tournaments that got cancelled um, due to, you know, bubbles being breached, and be, becoming like a freelance cricketer where I retired from Test matches. I was still very much available for white ball stuff with South Africa, but I wasn't being picked up. 
um, which is understandable. You know, they're trying to build a new team and they had their ideas. Cricket South Africa have their ideas in which way they wanted to go. And that's fair enough. So, I mean, I'd still put my hand up and say, because I want to win a World Cup, just like Fuff and AB and all these guys. So, like, if I'm good enough, you know, pick me. That's that's the main thing. But uh, I just went to these tournaments where I had to train for six weeks by myself before you go to the tournament. It's alone. It's a different situation because now you don't have a team. You don't have a trainer that's calling you saying tomorrow at eight o'clock, you've got to be there. It's all on your own kind of account, you know, and out of your own pocket, essentially, you're doing all of this. So you do all this training, six weeks lead up to to go to a tournament. You arrive at the tournament, you do seven to 10 days quarantine. You come out, you start playing, you, you're a week into the tournament and the tournament gets canceled. You know, you're not allowed to go anywhere when you're in these bio bubbles. Like today, I'm in my room. I'm not allowed. I'm in a, bu- I'm in a bubble. I'm not allowed to leave. And the tournament gets canceled and you get, you go home and you just think to yourself, like I thought to myself, I was like, why am I doing all of this training to go somewhere for something to happen, to come home and have no, nothing, no reward, you know? Uh, and when the third time, when it happened for the third time, I was like, okay, that's me. I'm done. Can't do this anymore. Like, this is, this is not, this is not what I signed up for. And I mean, I just love also when you go to a country, you get to experience the country. Like right now I'm in Dubai, but I can't go and do, can't go and see anything in Dubai. I'm, I, I could be anywhere in the world right now, but I'm in a hotel room, you know? So it is difficult. And I think it's even more difficult for the players who can't bring their partners because they're potentially working. And it is, it's a really, really, really tough time. So I'm very, fortunate that i had the career that i had up until when COVID hit because at that point i was able to see and do everything that i wanted to do when traveling unfortunately now you can't i was in namibia uh, on the day that it was official that you'd announced your retirement from cricket and i was there with uh, the titans who's your provincial side and of course there's a lot of devastation amongst the players we put together a nice video and and you could see they were they were really um, uh, hit hard by the fact that that you'd quit, and that was just um, what two three months ago. Two, I think two months ago. Did were, were the plans to go immediately into commentary? How did you end up being where you are right now? Yeah, I mean, look. Firstly, physically, I felt fine. Like I'm like, there's nothing wrong with me. Like I, I could still play if I wanted to. You know, it takes a little bit of practice just to get your body back into it. But I mean, physically, I'm fine. It's not like I'm. It's not like I'm slow in pace or I'm overweight or I'm or anything like it. It was just literally a point where I just didn't want to do it anymore. And um, sorry, it's loud. We're on a polo resort. These guys, they, they run and make a noise here. It's crazy. And um, where am I going with this? I don't even know where I'm going with oh, this, this, this commentary thing. Just kind of landed on my lap, you know, like about a month ago before the World Cup happened. Uh, so two months ago. Uh, I got a I got a call and someone asked me, would you be interested now that you retired? Would you be interested in coming to talk about the game? So I said, sure. You know, and, and I, I came over and I got two, maybe three warm-up games to kind of prep myself to how this business gets done and what I have to do. Um, and here I sit, you know, I'm still, I'm still, yeah, I'm doing the semifinals and potentially doing the finals, the final, um, which I don't know about yet. Apparently that's a big deal for, for commentators because a lot of them are pushing for it and then a lot of them get sent home. But somehow I've managed to stick around. I, I don't know why, but yeah, so I'm um, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I continue to sing your praises, but I, I mean, I sound like a broken record. But it's it's so easy to see why because you do bring a whole new brand of perspective into the commentary box, and it's so great to listen to. And look, I, I'm obviously biased given the fact that that I know you pretty well and 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 you're South African, but it really does help uh, having your your voice in the booth. Just going back to your playing days. Quickly, uh, I mean, apart from the traveling side of things, you, you know you love to get out there, but you also love to play cricket. And some of the highlights uh, while playing, I mean, uh, there are so many, but just from a spectator point of view, I was in Nagpur in 2010 when you took those those 10 sticks on, on a road of a wicket. Uh, Hash got a double ton. Um, South African batsmen filled their boots. It looked like you, you were just going to score runs for days. Yet uh, when you came on, it was a different story for the Indians. Um, that must certainly be be right up there. Yeah, it's one that I'm like reminded of all the time. I think the 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 fact of the matter is that there's a massive. I have a massive Indian Indian following. You know, when you do well against India, they they don't just they don't not like you. They then really become big supporters of you because they back their team so much that if somebody does well against their team, all of a sudden they're like, well you're somebody that we respect. And if you do it the right way, you know, like I didn't go there and scream and shout at Sachin Tendulkar and Raul Dravid to get wickets. I went there with good skill and I was able to pick up wickets. So, you know, as Indians, they, they constantly remind me of it, which is great because it happened in Nagpur. Uh, and yeah, that the ball actually crazy enough is that the, it wouldn't have happened had the umpire not changed the ball. He changed the ball, and the first ball I ran in, it had like this, it just drifted in. And I think Badrinath, like he fell over and clipped it to Ashwell Prince at midwicket. And then it was it was on. You know, we were like, yes, this ball, it's just got a little bit of reverse. And then next thing things happened really quickly. I think I picked up five like in no time. I got seven. I got two earlier with the new ball. Murali VJ left one got bowled and I nicked off Sachin with like a really good ball. I mean, you can, I can bowl good balls, you know, anybody can bowl a good ball, but that was a good ball. And um, when they changed the ball, that's when things happened really quickly. So had they not changed that ball, who knows? You know, maybe I wouldn't be sitting here right now. Like, you know, I wouldn't have had that happen and everything else wouldn't have happened. So sometimes you need a little bit of luck, you know? Yeah. It's interesting though, because the way you explained that day or, or that match perfectly emphasizes exactly why you are commentating right now because more often than not I speak to former sportsmen be it any sport and I'll remind them of certain occasions and they'll go yeah it was a good day we we won and I uh, played well and and the team helped uh, your explanation a little different uh, you're not I mean you went into specific details and and that's exactly what listeners want to hear and I think again that emphasizes why you've been so successful in the transition to being a commentator. Yeah, look, I'm not going to take away that it required skill to still land the ball in the right place. I'm just saying that the circumstances were different. You know, it wasn't, it's not all what everybody thinks it is. Mm. And like, I'm happy to say that, you know, like I still had to take the ball and bowl it, but like there are these little things that people are not like fully aware of. And I I must be honest with you. I, I really don't enjoy like listening to people when they say, yes, we arrived and we, we, we did the basics and you know if we if we execute well we're gonna like that's kind of boring for me like that's what everybody says like i want to hear something different like tell me something i know there's something in the back of your mind that you want to say or that is there like you can say it it's okay you know it's not the end of the world 
And I always feel like that's what listeners actually people want to hear. So if I can give them a little bit of that, I think they'll be more appreciative of it. I think that sums it up perfectly, that the honesty comes through completely. And and speaking of honesty, what have you made of the tournament so far and and more specifically South Africa's performance? Uh, pretty good, of course, losing out with the net run rate. But uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, what, what did you make of Timber Baboom's side? Yeah, shaky starts against Australia. Uh, I thought that might be the case. Um coming into a tournament, just a little bit of nerves. You know, some of these guys haven't been to been on the world stage before. There are many timber nervous. So there was a little bit of nerves and then, but the ball, we were fantastic with the ball in that first game, especially against Australia. Like we, I mean, to almost win that, like it shows like that our bowling is genuinely, I'm a bowler. So I'm also biased, you know, I'm like on the bowler side, but it, like we're, we're on it, you know, and like watching the watching the boys like there, I was there and I was live watching them. They got better and better and better every game, you know, to the point where they played their best game um, against England. Everyone contributed, but it's there's situations when I think South Africa failed in World Cups and we were able to win those situations. Like the game against Sri Lanka, we should never have won. No, we should have won it, but you know. In history side of things, we don't win those games. We don't win games of the bat the way we did. And David Miller and KG, what they did was like <clears throat> that's phenomenal. You know, that's that made that's massive strides. Um, the game against Bangladesh, everyone's going back to that game and saying they should have scored quicker. I was there. I can tell you right now, it's, it wasn't easy in the first six overs. Uh, a lot of people say, oh, but Australia did it. Yeah, Australia played on a road in Dubai. It was completely different. You know, this, the conditions were completely different and therefore the game is not exactly the same. Um, net run rate is the one thing that does separate the teams. And we were, this time, genuinely, I almost want to curse, but we were genuinely unlucky. We, we beat the top of the log team and we proved that at this World Cup, we, we could have been a team that could go on to win the World Cup. You know, we genuinely, I felt like we were getting better and better and better. And we, we, were, we were a team that could have won this World Cup easily. But unfortunately, due to, you know, net run rates, we're on the way home, just like, just like India and all the other teams. It's, it's unfortunate. Uh, a point a friend of mine made regarding the net run rate and something that I, I certainly thought about quite a lot was... You know, you're trying to appeal to the masses and, and obviously you want to grow the sport as you want to grow all sports. And do you think net run rate is a good uh, determinator of going through? Uh, firstly, I think it is kind of, but the, the thing that, that gets me is the fact that it's so complicated heading into that game. So as an average fan, you sit there and think, how, how the hell do we work this out? We were trying our best. And of course, you can't really until the first team bats. Um but would you have any other ideas whether to how to get how to separate teams when they are drawn in points? I I don't know. You know, I'm not um not a mathematician, and I know that people have come up with some other kind of like theories and everything. One thing that I can say that I am a fan of with the net run rate is that it does create exciting cricket. Like it takes games that are supposed to be boring and really makes them exciting. Uh, I was I was witness. I, I commentated on three games where I saw teams needing to chase a net run rate. So they were playing a game within a game, which is 
which is really, really interesting to watch, you know, and I think the one thing about net run rate is it creates a, it creates a way of now having to play the game. So South Africa, although we, we, we're not through, one thing I can tell you is that the highlight of this is that there are South African batters that are in the top three that bat for their franchises back in South Africa that are sitting there with massive smiles on their faces right now, knowing well that if they can, they can purely get selected to play from play for South Africa. If they have a strike rate of 160 and above, that's, that's, that's from my personal opinion. I, I want to see someone who bats in the top three with a strike rate of almost 170, you know, and say, you got a license, you got to go out there, you know, and if he's, if he gets a duck, he gets a duck, but he's really pushing for the game to go forward. And I think that's what net run rate does. Uh, it, it really does make it exciting. How we can change it. We're only looking to change it because we came, we, we, we missed out just this much. If we had come second or, or, or first, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. <laughs> but um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what it creates of, of South African batters, especially. You know, I, I was an opening bowler and I knew how difficult it was to bowl to guys like Jason Roy, Josh Butler, Quinny de Kock, really difficult. But guys that are not scared to, to really come at you. And they force captains to change the way they go about their captaincy. Almost plan B and plan C come in before plan A, essentially. And South Africa has an opportunity to do that now where we're able to create some, some batters um, the same way that David Miller bats down the order, but we can do that in the, in the early part of the game. It's, it's an interesting way to look at it. And uh, just a word on our... Our Southern African neighbours, I know it's a country that you love as well. Uh, Namibia, a fairy tale story. Uh, what's it? Uh, six cricket pitches throughout the country, something like that, and uh, managing to, to make the Super 12 stage. Uh, that's amazing. You know, and I saw them there and I could see that they were all excited about being there. And a lot of them have played, I've played with and against a lot of them before, especially the management, Peter Brain. And Peter Brain. He was amazing. Let me just tell you something about Peter Brain. He is, he is incredible because when I played at the Titans, I can remember having Peter Brain as a senior player of mine and my, my food's just arrived. So I might have to jump on my phone in a second. But sure. he, he, he was amazing. I was bowling to him in the nets one day and I don't know, maybe I was beating him or I, I got him out. I can't remember. And, and I walked down to pick up the ball and he walked up to me and he took the ball because I was bowling and he was batting and he pressed it into my chest, not in an aggressive manner, but he pushed it into my chest and he looked at me and he shook his head and he said, you shouldn't be here. And, um, play, and I said, what do you mean? He's like, you're too good to be playing for the Titans. And, and I didn't know what to make of it. And he said to me, you must play at the highest level. That is the only level that you should be playing at. Do you understand me? And I was like, yeah, I, I think I do. And he's like, okay, good. And he walked away and that will live with me for like a very long time because that information was like, he recognized that I should be there. I hadn't recognized that yet. And I needed him or needed other people to kind of say that to me sometimes. So, so to see him in the coaching staff with Namibia is fantastic. I'm glad that he's got that role because he's going to be able to get the best out of a lot of those players as will somebody like LB Morkel, who I have major respect for. And uh, yeah, finally, just uh, with regards to the semi-finalists, uh, just got to have a word on Pakistan. Undoubtedly, the best side so far in the tournament. That they're the opening partnership, sensational. The bowling, brilliant. Um, yeah, I mean, there are very few faults uh, in that lineup. The thing that I love most about Pakistan right now is just the like the vibe that they've got going. So, like 
after every game, you see they're taking the selfie and there's this energy and there's, there's a real feel around, around them that this is what they want, you know, and, I, and maybe they can come short, you know, maybe they could lose the semi, maybe they lose the final. I don't know. But you see, the thing is that it's, for me, it's incredibly infectious to watch the way that they're going about them, about their business. And, and I'm drawn to them right now. It's, it's so exciting to watch what their, their batters are doing, the way that they're playing and they're approaching the game. And it's very exciting to see the way that their bowlers are going about their business. Like if there's a team that, I would like to see go on to win this World Cup. It's purely them because they're just so enjoyable to watch right now. And if you manage to get to a game, I know I'm speaking to South Africans, but if you're in Dubai, you manage to get to a game, go and watch them play because like, that's why we want to watch sport because it just has that really feel about it. And in 10 years from now, we'll look back and say, yeah, that's a team that, that deserved to win, you know, or deserved winning. So yeah, they're really good. Yeah, they certainly are. As have you been, Dal. It's been uh, great chatting to you, as always. And and once again, congratulations on uh, the brilliant performance in the box. Oh, uh, quickly, firstly, tell us about the hair, and secondly, tell us about the hat that covers the hair. <laughs> the hat's over there. The hair is lockdown hair that just didn't didn't stop. Like I just I just carried on growing. So this is this is what I got right now. It's longer than like my sister's girl's daughter's hair and my sister's hair. <laughs> And we like we have these these conversations to what brushes we use and what what shampoos. It's very interesting. It's created a whole new conversation. And um, my girlfriend and myself, we like I don't I used to blame her for blocking up the shower the whole time, but I think that I'm mainly responsible for that now. And and, and the choice of the hat was that just I'm going to do a new unique thing in the commentary box, or do you just like wearing it? By absolute fluke that I walked into a store and I found this hat because I knew it was going to be hot. And when I got here, I didn't bring it the first day and I thought they would, they wouldn't allow me to wear it, but they said, you can wear it. Should have started an Instagram account for this hat because it's become really famous. Like I'm not going to lie. Well, Everyone loves it. Well, do it. I mean, what's stopping you? you not, still, too late. Yeah. not too late. You, sure. you got the semis <laughs> in the final to do it. Uh, I can't wait. Dale Stain's hat. Hashtag. Follow it now. Dale, it's been great as always. I can't wait to catch up soon in person. And uh, yeah, once this lockdown is all over, we'll have a, a beer or five. Absolutely. Cheers, my man. Thanks, bro. Bye. <laughs>